Listener discretion advised by the sound contains salty language. So if you don't like that, turn it down now. No, now, like right now. Okay. Let's start this fucking show. <laughs> Live from the classroom, Battle Royale in the block area. <laughs> from the Coast Salish land of Seattle, we're by the sound, your community invested podcast. I'm Sarah Mays, joined this week by Aisha Hauser and Raven Juarez. On this episode, we're reviewing lessons learned from 2020. Also, we'll be picking the best in pop culture from the year. This is By the Sound. Hey. Hey. How are you doing? (sighs) Is 2020 (laughs) over yet? Where are we? We're almost there. So there's a meme that I saw. Today marks five years that we're in 2020. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Only? At least. Only. (laughs) Exactly. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. 2020 has been quite... I, this is not hyperbole. I'm going to count. I lost five friends, like death died. And only actually not one was to COVID, not one, two cancer, two, um, had other illnesses and one had an accident like in 2020. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Five friends. I mean, it's, I was thinking about it and I'm like, holy shit, there's like a lot of grief. And again, none of them to COVID. I mean, and I, and I know folks. Uh, like somebody's dad died of COVID and extended family. I don't have close friends who died of it, but yeah. So I'm like, shit, this was a sucky year. I mean, this year can suck rocks. Well, the collective grief and trauma too. I mean, I've just been thinking so much about how like, you know, as human beings, we all share one energy. And like when a big percentage of us is suffering and in grief, like that affects everybody. Like you may not be like cognizant of it, but I feel like that's where like so much of like the fatigue and like the restlessness and like that, like we're all, I feel like one thing people like to forget is that we like to say in America, we're all our own little on our own little islands and we're so individualized. But the truth is like, we're all just little parts of the universe. We're all one thing. And when some of us are suffering, all of us are suffering and it's just so much this year. It's amen. Raven. So much. I do fear the next two or three months are going to be the worst of it, too, because, you know, it's the normal winter stuff. COVID started at the end of last winter. Uh, the numbers are higher now than ever. Yeah. Uh, some people will be taking fewer precautions uh, because they'll think, oh, yay, vaccine, we, we're done, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, yeah, after I – yeah, a couple of weeks into January, we're going to be seeing some uh, – scary numbers i expect um so yeah buckle up folks um but but <laughs> on the brighter we've side had so many great tv shows <laughs> <laughs> on the bright side netflix thank you for existing and making original content Yes, we we will be looking at our top pop culture picks uh, from the year later in the show. But first, I was wondering, what have we learned this year? Because maybe that's a positive spin to put on all this mess, is that we learned something. You know, like, I learned I'll never see my friends in West Seattle again. You know, like, I live on the (laughs) north end of town. (laughs) Like... So it might be different if I lived in Burien or something, but I live on the north end of town and it's like, you know, what am I going to do? Like 
drive there? Like, no, no. I, I think there's a boat that goes there, but I mean, how how close are these friends? Anyway. Listen, but- <laughs> you're going to reassess your friends in West Seattle. Um, I learned I miss, I, I need, I'm an extrovert with a capital E as my friend tells, calls me. And I really miss my connections. I mean, I, I, um, since my break from my family of origin at the age of fucking 20, um, I really, my friends have been my chosen family and that's been everywhere I've lived. And I'm really blessed that that's the case. And I was like, damn, I am missing now I'm seeing people on zoom. Sure. However, I really miss being in people's company. I miss going out to the theater. I know that sounds incredibly privileged and bougie. And that's what I miss. I miss even going to the fucking movies for a matinee by myself and sitting in the theater. I miss it. So I miss, um, (sighs) connections that don't include (laughs) my nuclear (laughs) family it's not about and even my kids who don't live with us full-time um after the first shelter in place for like could not wait to get out of here my daughter took a job in fucking idaho and they were like you know going crazy with covid she's like it's fine mama wear a mask she's still in idaho she just kept finding another job and my son went to school in colorado so anyway i miss i miss my people who are my chosen family slash friends um I miss you, Sarah. I was seeing you like all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you and I were hanging, and then suddenly we weren't. That's what yeah. I, I meant. Um, have you guys like kind of noticed though, in the same way? Like, this is true for me. Like, when something breaks, that's kind of like when the cracks appear. That's where like some light sometimes does shine through, and you can kind of see a little bit of good through the bad stuff. And one like little bit of light during this time for me is noticing what friends do reach out to me and like do like invest their time in checking in and saying hi. And I noticed that throughout this pandemic quarantine year, I've been spending more time talking to like my like very close core friends, like my four or five like top, top best friend forever friends. Um, we meet on house party. We meet on Zoom. We talk for hours so much more than we used to. Um, And these are friends who live, you know, on other sides of the country or um, so far away that when life was just happening and normal and busy, we would maybe text a few times a month, maybe. But now it's like uh, a weekly tradition to check in and have a glass of wine and talk to each other. And that's kind of felt nice to be able to have that light shine on the people who really make me who I am and who really support me and who I feel so privileged to love and support in return. So. That's one kind of good thing that I've noticed. I learned that my uh, boys are, um, uh, and most children, I I think, are are very resilient. And, you know, I'd I'd heard that um, before, but I'd I'd never seen it so clearly this year, uh, as this year with them adapting to homeschooling, remote learning, and um, just, you know, pretty much being in our little... (laughs) little apartment and I mean little apartment <laughs> so much and um uh that they haven't uh murdered each other yet and uh they um have adapted to school like they with such they just have such great attitudes about it all um I th- think perhaps I've done more grieving for what they're they're missing than than they have um the more time that you spend 
with yourself, with the close people, the more you realize how lucky you are to have the things that you have. And this year has been such a year of like reflection for me. My, I don't know if I shared this with you guys, but my grandmother passed away like right before um, the pandemic happened, like literally weeks right before. So every, when everything was happening, I was still kind of in that deep grief. Uh, my grandmother, Yvonne, pretty much raised me. She's my mom's mom and she's just like such a strong tie to me for who I am and my history and my heritage. So it was a huge loss. But in this year, I found myself journaling and manifesting and really like evaluating my life for the first time in like a not just seeing myself as like always the victim, but really seeing myself from like different points of views and seeing where I've grown and seeing like things I'm not proud of and thinking about how I can be better in the future. And also just recently, as I've been doing that kind of practice, I found so much like forgiveness for younger Raven who like maybe didn't always make the right choices and didn't maybe treat and appreciate the people I loved correctly. And now I'm being like given that gift of time and space to like really reflect. And I'm hopeful that those lessons are going to carry me into the next phase of my life when the world becomes its own next chapter, I guess, after. I That's promise true you, though, right? Like after this, it's going to be not the same. It's going to be a new world after 2020. Yeah, <clears throat> I definitely took stock and I turned 50 in 2020. And, um, so it was, it was a lot of soul searching and what do I, you know, how do I want to move forward in life? So my <clears throat> friend from high school, who I've known for 35 years through a, a, an intimate small Zoom party for me, <clears throat> and then a week later, another group of friends did a Zoom party for me. My son's like, didn't you have a party? I'm like, oh, this is happening once a week for the next year. Like, I'm 50 for, I want to have several, <laughs> but, but what was cool. I mean, I definitely did think about, I mean, it's literally midlife, right? It's like, okay, what's working? What's not working? How do I um, move forward in a way that um, honors who I want to be? Because, you know, we change. We, I would like to think I've matured and changed. And, you know, there's now the funny, I see them on t-shirts and even a candle, like no fucks left to give or the one candle I saw, I got to get it. My last fuck or something like that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I thought it was very funny. So it's like it's more about living authentically and genuinely not giving a shit what people think. Mm-hmm. Where as long as I can look at myself in the mirror and I can, um, you know, um, be be kind of be be authentic and own my shit. I'm, you know, I'm going to do and say what I need to do and say. I did learn to bake bread and pie. I made the best <laughs> pie crust I've ever made in my entire life. I had nine trips canceled this year, nine, and one of them to Europe. So this is the law. Okay. This is no exaggeration because I'm an immigrant. I used to go to Egypt all the time as a kid. This stretch from March from, well, the end of February was my last trip. Beginning, uh, middle of February was my last trip. From then until now in my adult life is the longest stretch that I've stayed in one place in my adult life ever. I'm like, holy shit. Like I've always gone somewhere. So, and I don't hate it. I thought I would, I I miss people, but I don't hate not getting on a plane every couple of weeks. So I learned that about myself. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how like parts of our identity that we always take for granted when we're in a different context, we're like, oh, I guess I don't need that. Like me not being in the classroom this long, I, I legitimately didn't know what would happen to my brain. 
Um, <laughs> but it turns out like I have like other things I can do and other ways to use my energy, like this podcast, like, like all kinds of things. So, and so much time for TikTok. Who knew? <sighs> well, those are very lovely notes. And I have a, uh, a whole list of lessons learned this year, which are really fucking depressing. Um, so, you know, I think we'll probably have time to get to those on other shows. Um, I, I will just point out one thing. Uh, murder hornets could be here in five hours um, if they wanted. a little on that so I don't start like battening down the hatches. That's very scary news. Well, what do you mean? Okay, so they're up near the border. Uh, They're near Blaine, you know, and they can travel 20 miles uh, from from their nest. So uh, we're 100 miles from Blaine. So if they traveled due south and just made a new nest and then a new one and then a new one, like, you know, that's five hours. Great. Or That's they could just get I'm in a car and depending on traffic, Thank you. depending on traffic, if they get in the trunk of someone's car, you know, like one of these campers, um, you could be dead by morning. That's cool. Um, we'll be right back. So- that's good, but crickets eat them. So do we just need to get crickets? And I'm and then I, but I heard crickets eat hummingbirds. So we're gonna lose our beautiful hummingbirds. Oh you know, that's what I heard. I don't know if that's true. That Let's not right. get an invasive species to kill another invasive species. That does not turn out well. It's never ever <laughs> enough of that. Fiction movies out of it. It does not work. Yeah, no, I agree. I think murder hornets too. I mean plot twist like they were introduced and just didn't go anywhere so i kind of feel like let down a little bit hey speaking of plot twist which has nothing to do with anything i watched enola holmes and it didn't make any fucking sense like it did in the beginning and then it just went awry and i'm like anyway don't know that's what all that i want to say about that uh we'll 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 get into the best media and entertainment of the year after the break we'll be right back Hey, Raven. Hey, Sarah. What's the best part of donating to Buy the Sound on Patreon? Uh, other than helping us to make more episodes of the podcast? Yeah. I like the daily local news updates. With so much local news to follow, it's great to see all the stories that matter in one place without all the fluff. And it's available for as little as five bucks a month. Our news updates are posted almost every day to our private Facebook group, which all supporters are invited to join once they donate to Buy the Sound through Patreon. Our donors will also see previews of upcoming episodes, and they'll have access to bonus content streaming through our Patreon page. Are there any other benefits to supporting Buy the Sound? Listeners who donate at the Alki level or above will receive invitations to our meetups, where they can meet by the sound co-hosts, guests, and supporters of the show. We'll be having more of these in the coming months via Zoom and eventually in spots all around Seattle. Are there any other benefits for our supporters? Yes. Listeners who support the show at the Discovery, Westlake, or Gasworks membership level will receive all the benefits we described, plus the opportunity to nominate and sponsor a guest of their choosing to be interviewed in a future episode of the show. It's one of the many ways that we're making By the Sound a community-invested podcast. That's so cool. Remind me where people go to donate. People can learn all about these benefits and more at www.patreon.com slash by the sound. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash by the sound. Okay, so 2020 wasn't 
entirely a dumpster fire. Um, there were some uh, little bits of beauty in there, uh, which many of us were able to enjoy on our TVs and and uh, uh, tablets and whatnot because we were stuck at home. Uh, cons- if you're like me, we're consuming art. Um, so let's get into it. Best album of the year. Uh, I have Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple. Um, and I think it was probably inevitable that if she was going to have a new album, it was going to be my favorite of the year because I'm an enormous uh, fangirl. But um, what I've heard is a lot of people are turned off by this album because it's sort of, uh, she's really letting her her genius um, shine. Uh, she is a genius. She is a mad genius. And, um, and this time when so many of us were stuck at home, she produced Fetch the Bolt Cutters uh, entirely from her own home using household objects to create a percussive masterpiece. Uh, and I've heard she's nominated for uh, at least one um, Grammy, so that's great news. If you're not familiar with Fiona Apple, this might not be the best album to start listening to her on, but um, I am grateful for that this year. Any other albums? I went retro. I listened to all my teenage music, like Prince. Well, Prince isn't teenage. I mean, he died. But like all 80s, I listened to music from the 80s, like Neil Diamond and Billy Joel, like elevator pop music, uh, Simply Red. Yeah, I did not listen. I don't think I heard anything new at all. (laughs) I don't. I just went completely retro. That's interesting you say that because, again, not to keep saying the same thing, but since my grandma passed, while um, she was passing, our family was kind of talking about some of her favorite music and songs. And I discovered some new favorite songs, which are probably like old classics to everyone else, but like they're songs I'd heard in passing, but hadn't really like, like let into my heart. And so like Harvest Moon became like my new favorite song of this year. And I listened to it like on repeat all the time. I did my, um, Spotify's top 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 songs of 2020 and that was number one probably because I listen to it when I think of my grandma but as far as new music goes I also did a little bit of retreating um I don't know if you guys can tell this but I was kind of an emo girl in my <sighs> earlier adolescent years and I was obsessed with this band called Bright Eyes which is this guy Connor Oberst and uh <laughs> I embarrassingly like like still listen to it sometimes, but he came out with a new album this year. And I, again, if you're not familiar and you don't already love Bright Eyes, it might not be your favorite, but I was really excited about it. Um, Fleet Foxes came out with a new album in 2020 called Shore, which I think is really beautiful. I love everything by the Fleet Foxes though. So I'm super biased. And also uh, Ariana Grande's new album, came out and I'm sorry, but I can't say anything bad about it. I just, I, every song is good to me and I know that's controversial, but I don't care. I, I love it. <laughs> She's very talented. I, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I hope it's no one disputes sexual. her talent. <laughs> Excellent. I'll check that out. Uh, speaking of my favorite song of the year, uh, was, uh, some little something called WAP, um, yeah, that's and, yes. <laughs> there you go. Like I did hear that song. Cardi B and Megan the Stallion, and it wasn't. It wasn't just the the song, which is it, like I I haven't even heard it that many times. Um, 
what it was for me was the video, which pretty much it had everything that every music video should have. Um, and no men. Um, it, it was, it, <laughs> it was That's Cardi B, point. May in the Stallion, this, you know, uh, this lavish mansion, big cats, um, uh, no men. Had Cardi B. <laughs> Cardi B. Had Megan the Stallion. <laughs> it was supposed to have Lizzo. Oh. That's the only thing that could what have made happened it better. with that. Why would why didn't Lizzo do it? That would have been great. Um, she was talking about on TikTok. I actually don't remember the specific reason. I think it was scheduling, but oh, if she was there, it would have been the trifecta, the perfection. The trifecta. And the reason why no men is a big deal is that it's so sexual and it's not for the pleasure of men. No. It, 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 that's the beauty of it. Like, and I did, I may not listen to an entirely new album, but of course I, um, I watched and listened to a uh, WAP and uh, WAP WAP WAP. Um, that's the beauty of it is they were like, fuck you. We're sexual being who we are. And it's not about centering men's needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And men talk about their, you know, what's constantly in rap music and no one ever bats an eye. They're dicks. Oh. They sure do. And they need to fucking We We could say dicks on here. Raven. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm a preschool teacher, and I just I, I like. Can't I'll say it for it you. Thank I'll you. say it for you. I can say it, dicks. <laughs> Raven Juarez just said dicks. In case anyone missed it, I want everyone and to know. Raven Juarez said dicks. She was not talking about the hamburgers. Dicks. She was not talking about the hamburger chain. I know that the parents listen to this. I know that some do. <laughs> Any other songs before we? Move yes. Um, have you guys heard of the other female rapper? She's kind of new. Her name's Chica. C-H-I-K-A. Okay, well, you got to check it out. Um, she's got an album out this year called Industry Games. And her song, No Squares, is a bop. I have it on my 2020 most played songs. Uh, my 15-year-old says that. A bop. What? A bop. Oh, I learned it from the youth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It slaps. Uh, oh, so there's another one like a, a jammer or a slammer. Uh, um, never mind. Sorry, I, I'm a jammer. Something I like think that. You mean, um, uh, uh, oh, I know what you mean, but that since you said jammer, it's touching my <laughs> baller. A, no, baller? that's old. No. Yeah, that, no, that that's old. Uh, oh no. Sorry. Uh, no, youth I know slang what you mean. And is now over. You've, yeah, you've so, like it, you've like search replaced it in my brain. So now I'm it's something that sounds for kind of dopey. Honestly, it's 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 uh, a banger, a banger. Banger. No, there's another one too. Okay, we'll find it out there, later. There's no accounting for the kids. <laughs> I will say though, the best, the best uh, media, the best entertainment I found this year has not been a show or movie. It's been creators on tiktok the creativity is exploding yes the youth are brilliant they wrote a whole musical of ratatouille no oh my gosh like That's literally uh, like all across the world there's all these different costume designers singers composers uh puppet makers uh graphic designers they literally made a whole freaking musical the whole movie they did it That's they collabed the other thing we have to give a shout out to TikTok was how the was it K-pop TikTok they screwed up the one of the rallies. Yeah, <laughs> of garbage. They hacked a of, Trump rally. 
soon to be out of office, <laughs> lost the election about 47 times. TikTok's been doing all kinds of hilarious trolls on our... Love it! But I do want to say, speaking of retro, Friends, you know, the white version of Living Single with Queen Latifah and Kim Coles and um, everybody else who's in it is an all-black cast. I rewatched the entire Living Living Single series and loved every second of it. And then, like, season four, like, white people started showing up and it was so random, it felt like to me, because... For the first three seasons, maybe you saw a white person peripherally, but I was like, I wonder who complained. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's like actual white characters. <laughs> Never even heard of it. <laughs> it's a great show. Living, you haven't heard of Living Single? No. Oh, watch Living Single. It's really, it's the pre. It's actually, I think Friends ripped off Living Single, um, but it's it's. Black professional, black people living together, black women are the central characters, and then two black men live upstairs. Really funny. Takes place in New York. Um, I loved it. So I rewatched the entire series in 2020 because I all the traveling I didn't do, I spent rewatch. And then Space Force. Did either of you watch Space Force on Netflix? I tried. No, you didn't like it? I loved it. Watched it twice. I, I wanted to love it. I just, I, 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 maybe I have to go back and try again. I wanted to love it, but I like watched the first episode and then I never felt called to come back. <gasps> it gets a lot funnier. It okay. does. It gets a lot funnier. And, and, but see, you and I have different tastes. Cause what was that shitty movie? I couldn't get past. <laughs> minutes, I'm thinking of ending things, ah! which is <laughs> that, 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 that's on my b- best movies of the year list, but we'll get back to that first TV shows. Raven, what do you got? Okay. All right. Bear with me. Uh, These are the shows that got me through the quarantine. I'm pretty sure they all came out in 2020 or at least 2019. But um, I'm watching right now. I know this much is true on HBO Max. um, And it's based on the novel by Wally Lamb, who's my favorite author. Love that novel. Fantastic. It tackles such great issues with our society and mental health and um, it also just has a really rich, beautiful story. Um, and I'm really like into family lineage stories and there's a lot of that in there. Um, of course, Shit's Creek, of course, Pen15. Um, I put this on my list because I think it's a little controversial also, but have you guys watched Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist? No. I just it- saw the first, um, I saw the pilot and um, my my feeling was this What you go ahead. You go ahead. Well, okay, here's what I think. I saw it the pilot too and was like, this is so gimmicky and silly. But then, unlike Space Force, every time I saw there's a new episode, I was just like, I want to watch it. And then like I was like crying at the episodes and I'm a sucker for singing and like heartfelt singing. Like like technical singing is always entertaining, but like I just love when you can like feel the emotions in the song and I have no idea. I'd barely remember what's happening in the plot because they stopped making episodes early 2020, but I put that on my list because I think it's uplifting. And Is that Netflix? Where's Zoe? Where can I find Zoe? Uh, I think it's on Hulu. Okay. And then, of course, okay, um, I just got HBO, so I've been binging The Undoing, The Flight Attendant, Barry, all really good. I watched Little Fires Everywhere. I watched Big Little Lies. I watched Dead to Me. I loved Cheer. Talk about an emotional roller coaster. Did you guys watch Cheer early this year? Cheer is on my list. It is a That's documentary a about cheerleaders. 
That was like a section yeah. of my pandemic life was the cheer chapter. Yeah, I, I'm. Um, it was it was just captivating. I, I had no idea uh, that cheerleading was any of that stuff. That is not. It was not my associations with cheerleading. I was very impressed. I was very captivated. I I devoured the series, and I have a huge crush on the coach. Um, I think oh, she's wouldn't? she's amazing. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> she's the kind of type A personality that could just, you know. She scares me, but I like it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I also have Queen's Gambit because it was just, I yep. think. I did see that. The 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 clothing alone is worth the watch. I, so beautiful. I just saw Queen's Gambit for, I just watched the series through a second time. Uh, this is like two consecutive like binges. The second time I made my 15 year old watch with me uh, and he loved it. And um, yeah, the queen's gambit is, was my favorite uh, mini series of the year. And that was also on my list. That one is uh, on Netflix and all, all these shows and everything we'll, we'll have in the show notes with the links. Uh Another documentary on my list, uh, in addition to Cheer, was um, The Last Dance. Um, uh, that's the one about the Chicago Bulls. And, oh, um, I heard that was so good. It was fascinating because it, it turns out Michael Jordan is a psychopath. And they, they, they oh, sort shit. of. <laughs> what? Yes. Although that's not that surprising, though, is it? I mean, I'm like, mm, I believe that. It it is a blessing to the world that he channeled his psychopathic personality into, uh, you know, being a basketball phenom, uh, and you know, because a lot of people, a lot of psychopaths, um, put that energy into uh, very destructive things, and in this case, he was really only hurting the people around him. Um, but <laughs> oh, interesting. I have to, okay. I wasn't interested until you said that because you know I'm low key obsessed with sociopaths and psychopathy. It yeah. was like my main focus in my undergrad, my senior year. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. If you like hearing about ways that sociopaths can channel their uh, narcissism and uh, destructive energy Absolutely. into non-murders, uh-huh. I really highly recommend the book um, the site the sociopath next door. Is that John Ronson? Or, uh, I think it's actually a lady author. Oh, okay. I can't the remember. Sociopath Next Door. Oh, that the sounds Sociopath super Next Door. It's so interesting. It's like all the different ways sociopaths and psychopaths like manifest their tendencies. But one of the most interesting facts that I always tell people is, did you know one in every 25 people yeah. is a sociopath? That I knew. Yeah. 4% of the population. Yeah. Yeah. In the United States, I'm surprised it's not higher, but yeah. <laughs> well, I well, think- we celebrate sociopathic tendencies here. We're like, yeah, we do. that's what I mean. Roll yeah. everybody, win, win, win. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by that um, subject, and uh, now now that I've I've told you that seems to be the gist of uh, the last stance, at least at least as far as I could tell. Um, uh, you'll have an advantage watching it. I think it was, I can't remember how many episodes it is. I'll guess eight. Uh, and it was only with about one or two episodes left where it finally clicked with me where I'm like, Oh, he's a psychopath. And then it all made sense, you know? And yeah, um, there are a lot of psychopaths all there. Luckily, most of them are not murderers. Um, a lot of them become CEOs and politicians and stuff. And, uh, uh, ideally it is, um, not, 
incredibly harmful. Uh, sometimes psychopaths do great things. Um, but um, yeah, Michael Jordan doesn't seem like somebody I would want to be on any kind of team with uh, unless I was 100% committed to winning, which he was. Um, I have one a series uh, drama from um, 2019, but it was released on HBO Nordic in 2019, and I th- I don't think I can reasonably be expected to subscribe to HBO Nordic. So uh, I only saw when it was on real HBO this year. So we're I'm going to call it a 2020 series. It was called Beforeners, uh, and the the premise is basically uh, it, it's it's a modern day Oslo, Norway, and all these people start showing up um, who are arriving as refugees through time, through time travel. And they're all from one of three uh, periods in Norwegian history. One is the 19th century Norway. Then there's others from a thousand years ago, uh, which is the Viking era um, as Norway was becoming a Christian country. And the third group are uh, literally cavemen and women, because um, they're like from th- two or 3,000 years before. Um, and <laughs> it becomes um, a buddy cop show. Um, <laughs> there's a modern detective. Uh, and a new recruit to the police force uh, who is a woman from the Viking era who is captivating. And I know this... Wait, 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 wait. She comes... How does she get from the Viking era to the detectives era? And please tell me this is a comedy because I couldn't handle it if it was anything else. It has funny bits. Uh, Is it a It is mostly a drama. It is is a buddy cop... Drama. Look, if it is the only Norwegian time travel buddy cop show you watch this year, no, it was. It's on my list here, though. I watch a lot of TV, and this one is on my list because it was. I feel like you're describing a fever dream. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. You sure you didn't have COVID? You sure it wasn't like the two weeks of like. Of, of yeah, it is dreams. real. It is brilliant. It is fun. It's most fun to see how these people from prehistoric and from Viking times like adjust to modern society, as well as the folks from the 19th century. Uh, it's called what now? Say it's the called name again. Beforeigners. The foreigners or be foreigners? Be foreigners. B e foreigners. Uh. Um. So this it's the title is a pun. The social issues happening there are sort of uh, predictably, if you think about it, uh, it's about immigration and refugees, all these very salient issues in Europe and the United States now. Although in this case, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll the, I'll, I'll describe one thing: the modern day Oslo residents um, are, you know, very hostile to all these time travelers who've shown up uh, and want to live there. You know, and they just want them to go back where they came from, which is very ironic because Oslo, Norway is where they came from, and they were there a long time before them. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm sure to our, our native listeners that might sound <laughs> familiar. Wow. What an interesting concept I've never considered. 
And one last thing, I'll I'll get us off of TV, but first, um, I was so happy to see that the second half of the last season of BoJack Horseman did come out in 2020. So I can say season six of BoJack Horseman was the best show uh, of the year because all of BoJack Horseman is brilliant. It's it's a very grim comedy. Uh, uh, it it looks at mental health. Um, and substance issues better than any show I've ever seen. And it's hilarious. Uh, and so, you know, if you try first season of BoJack Horseman, you're not really feeling the first episode. I'd say, you know, stick with it for for two or three episodes and eventually you'll warm up to what's happening. And it's just the funniest goddamn shit. You've convinced me. I'm in. Yay. All right. Movies. Any good movies this year, Asia? Yeah, the, the one that I came up with, I think we've decided came out in 2019, Always Be My Baby. That, like, really... Oh, I watched... Um, was it the Always Dolly Be Parton? My Maybe? Or Always Baby? Be My Baby? Maybe? Oh. Always Be My Maybe with... Why can't I remember her name? She's an Asian um, comedian, and it was a mostly Asian cast. Really, really funny and sweet. Yeah, it had the guy from um, Fresh Off the Boat. Fresh off the boat. And then they had a running gag with Keanu Reeves, which was hilarious. Um, And I just saw the Dolly, Dolly Parton. We, we needs to be given sainthood period. Uh Stop. Dolly Parton is one of the most extraordinary women to ever. I mean, I know ever lives a stretch because we've had a lot of extraordinary women in history. However, I wonder, like, she's just an extraordinary human being um, and brilliant. And so there was some Netflix documentary about her that I just, so, so, did you see the the Dolly Parton holiday uh, special? No, but I want to. Okay. No, no, no. I saw the documentary about her. What's the special on? What what platform? Oh, uh, the special. I don't know. I think it's on Hulu. It I haven't seen it. I just I, I heard about it. I, I I agree with the premise that Dolly Parton um, uh, should be granted sainthood because I think to, I agree. to live and exist in 2020 and be a person uh, in the public eye that everyone can agree on is pretty great. Like that's <laughs> quite an achievement. In, oh, she pushed off the right though. She, said, she, she supported Black Lives Matter. She pushed off the super right. Yeah. She was oh, like, she did. our own okay. lily white asses aren't the only ones that matter. And all of a sudden, like, and it didn't go anywhere though. It did not get traction. All of a sudden it was like, oh, we have to cancel Dolly. And I'm like, oh, honey. No. no, they can't cancel Dolly. It went nowhere. Yeah. It literally, like, it was like two tweets. No. My respect for her was just like always oh. going up and then it just had a big spike. Like, no. Yeah. I, I love year. me some Dolly. Best movies, Raven. Movies. Um, You know what? I wrote a list and I put my movies and TV shows in the same area. And I just realized I only wrote, I filled up the whole space with TV shows. I don't <laughs> even know what what movies are, we watched that one. We watched. <laughs> we I'm talked about it. Of ending things. Yes, we watched. I, I did watch that. It was good. <laughs> Aisha's making <laughs> gagging gestures. Uh, it was not. Good. That is up to taste. It yeah, was not yeah. objectively good. Let's see. I got three others. Um, two of them are actually recordings of stage plays and events. Um, one is uh, directed by Spike Lee. Uh, it's a recording of David Byrne's American Utopia. It's called David Byrne's American Utopia. Uh, Spike Lee filmed it. 
Um, it is, uh, it's basically a, a concert performance, um, in somewhat like stop making sense, the famous talking heads, uh, performance from the early eighties. Um, but in this case, uh, David Burns American utopia is, um, uh, a reminder of what is so brilliant about, you know, the performing arts, uh, what is so uplifting about it. And, um, a lot has been said elsewhere about it. I'll just, uh, you know, second those, um, recommendations and, uh, say Spike Lee did a great job of bringing it to, um, the screen, which is not always easy. And Aisha, I'll especially recommend it to you since I know um, how much you enjoyed Black Boys when we saw it uh, in February, back when we could go out into society. And Oh, definitely. Yeah, David Byrne's American Utopia is a lot of, um, a, a, a couple of the performers are dancers. And um, on the whole, I would say American Utopia was not as good as Black Boys, but that's a really high bar. Um, yeah, that was a high bar. The the other uh, filmed stage uh, event um, I saw was Hamilton, and um, it was yeah. I, I first heard the soundtrack when people started talking about it in 2016, and was blown away like so many people, and just felt like it was a crime that it was not being filmed and beamed to theaters across the country or to TV sets. Um, and one blessing of this pandemic is that Disney plus, which had been working on it, um, decided to, to stream it. Um, I, I feel like it's such an important work of art about our democracy that, um, it, it, it felt like a real shame to have it, uh, sitting behind the cost of theater tickets. And cause you know, theater, it's just, it's a very exclusive thing. You know, you got to be in the right place. You got to live in a city. You got to live in the right city. You got to be able to afford the tickets. You got to be able to hustle for the tickets uh, or know the right people. And um, in this case, they brought it to the masses. And I love that. And finally, number one movie of the year for me uh, was a documentary called Disclosure. It is about transgender representations in movies and television. The documentary was um, all of the, 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 the guests uh, and crew. Uh, it was, I, I, I think everyone involved with the, the documentary was transgender themselves, which is amazing. And it's, what's so great about it is that we talk about the trans community as if that's a thing that is <laughs> really vibrant and 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 cohesive but for most of um history transgender people have existed in isolation for most of us until recently the only trans people we would ever meet uh or see would be represented on screen or um, in movies uh, and TV. And since those representations have mostly been created by cisgender people, it's uh, involved a lot of very, um, it's it's offered a traumatic reflection to the trans community, to, to individual trans people. 
Um, and in this case, they made a documentary that that was comprehensive, spelled out the issues, and uh, it w- it was something that I ended up recommending to my therapist, uh, who who is a cisgender woman, um, as a way to say, you know, check this out, and you'll see. Like you can understand so much about transgender people just by seeing this, because this is how we came to understand ourselves and our place in society and uh, how that's evolved over time. Um, So it's, it is for our little uh, small, you know, point 0.6% of the population. I think it's a very important uh, work and uh, that's disclosure on Netflix. I can't wait to see it. Wow. Any podcasts? Um, well, I mean, my favorite murder always. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys like big Office fans? I'm a big Office fan. I've seen the whole series at least once. I like so, the I've seen the whole one. series at least 40 times. <laughs> the, Ameri- the, American? the American? The American one, yeah. yeah. And this year, um, uh, Pam... And Angela, also known as Jenna Fisher and uh, Angela Kinsley, came out with Office Ladies, which is one of many Office-themed podcasts. There's a ton of good ones, but I especially enjoy their perspectives on it. Oh, funny. I haven't seen that. It's pretty cute. They're like best friends, and they have a great rapport. And um, I actually listen to it often before we do our podcast to like get me in the the talking groove. (laughs) Nice. That's smart. Um. I also love um, Janet Lansbury's podcast, Unruffled. I recommend it to a lot of my parents who have, not my parents, but the parents I work with who have young kids. Uh, It's a really great resource, especially since parenting has reached a new level of intensity this year. And um, I really uh, love her viewpoints and how she kind of looks through things through a trauma-informed lens of the parents and like really teaches you not to bring in your own cycles into what you're doing. And, um, Oh, good luck with that. I, I, it's really good. It's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I also love, uh, anything with Aaron Mankey, the lore unobscured, uh, the cabinet of curiosities. Uh, and then I also just started listening to getting curious with Jonathan Van Ness from, um, queer eye for the straight guy. Oh, nice. The new queer eye. I mean, um, He's a really good uh, interviewer. He's hilarious. <laughs> He's always like, and do you just like tell all your little baby voters that they need to like hurry their booties to the like? It's just so funny. <laughs> like I just love how his his way of speaking really warms my heart. <laughs> nice. Um, my favorite podcast of the year was a limited series, um, surprisingly produced by iHeartRadio. Um, it's called Behind the Police, um, and I, I think it was a six or seven part uh, series um, that walks through uh, chronologically the origin and evolution of policing in a, in the world generally and in America, um, and it's deep and yeah, uh, entertain. It's. <laughs> um, 
It's really entertaining, though. One of the guys uh, is, I don't know if he's actually a historian or if he's just like super good at reading a lot and um, pretending to be a historian. It's an uncensored and blunt, no-nonsense look at policing that I think, you know, the three of us at least would would agree with. And it was really eye-opening about some aspects of policing that I uh, either didn't uh, understand or... Uh, had never heard about before. And um, I think everyone could benefit from not seeing police as something that exists like oxygen and water, but as a construct, as something that has been created by absolutely uh, yes. other social structures and something that can be changed mm-hmm. um, or in some cases eliminated. Um, so that's Behind the Police on iHeartRadio. Great. Got any podcasts you want to talk about, Aisha? Scam Goddess, I do love because it's just fluffy and light and fun. So that's a podcast I listen to every now and then. Uh, My my dad wrote a porno, which is a British podcast, (laughs) and it's absurd and hysterical. Just complete fluff and just... I listen to that one sometimes, and I it's absurd. I'm crying. It's so... It's ridiculous. It's the... Like, why am I listening to this? But it's so funny and just wholesome in its absurdity. I but had I listen- it on one time when I was going through the Starbucks drive through <laughs> and like, I like, I muted it, yeah. but then I like hit the mute with my elbow and it was just like, and his, <laughs> I won't repeat yeah. what they were saying, but so good. It just, just perfection. And the three of them making fun, just perfection. Uh, so I, I've, I've listened to that. And then I listened to a book called um, Sex and the Seasoned woman about uh, middle-aged women finding kind of their own way and they're claiming their sexuality and especially I'm going to look up the author right now Um, and me being 50 (laughs) and a sexuality educator uh, let's see who wrote Gail Gail nope that's not her name Uh, let me see who this is so Gail Sheehy Gail S-H-E-E-H-Y. So it's a great, I listened to it, so it kind of felt like a podcast, but it was so validating and affirming as to where I am in life right now and thinking about, because we do not have, we, United States is not a, I don't, I don't know that we can point to any country that's particularly sexually healthy, but the United States with our Puritan fucking roots is probably one of the worst. It's like up there with Victorian era England. Um, and so it was, it was just very validating on, on women from, and she interviewed women from their mid forties to their seventies, like one woman in her seventies just dated well into her seventies. She was like, well, you know, why would I settle down? Like it was, it was great. So that, uh, that was one that was memorable over the summer, but otherwise I didn't really listen to anything else. That was about it. And this I one, I listen to our podcast. I love our podcast. I've listened to By the Sound. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't want to suggest to people that they should listen to any podcast until they've heard all episodes of By the Sound at I least mean, a couple of times. Uh, I, I hate to get out here and, and be acknowledging the existence of other podcasts, but... Um, I mean, they're okay, they're but okay. really you have to listen to By the Sound. You're not going to get these perspectives anywhere else. <laughs> We're an eclectic group of human beings here. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. Hey, Raven. Yes? Will you be our new co-host for By the Sound? Uh, are you going to pay me? That seems fair. I, for one, don't think we should be asking women to do even more unpaid work. Um, but Sarah, how on earth are you going to pay me? That's what donors are for, Raven. 
Listeners who donate to the show on Patreon will make sure you get paid. The more donors we get, the more episodes we're able to make. Cool. Where can listeners go to donate? www.patreon.com slash by the sound. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash by the sound. I didn't read that many adults literature books, but I did discover some new favorite children's books that came out this year. Of course you Um, did. You're perfect for this. (laughs) One of them is brand new. It's called How to Spot an Artist by Danielle Kirsa. And I actually follow her on Instagram already. I believe her name is The Jealous Curator on Instagram, but it's just like the sweetest book. I, I was so excited to purchase it and read it to my students because the general message of it is If you love art and you love creating, like that's your style and that's valid and never let anyone tell you that what you're doing isn't perfect or isn't good enough or that you should be ashamed of the way that you interpret the world and make art. So I was really excited about this book. I feel like I've been looking for a book that puts all those feelings and beliefs I have into one place. So uh, How to Spot an Artist is definitely like one of my top picks for children's lit this year. Uh, there's also this book. It's called We're All Works of Art, and it's by Mark Sparing, illustrated by Rose Blake. And I'm not sure if it came out in 2020 or 2019, but it's new to me. And I love it because it talks about styles of art in relation to like different body types and skin types and how, um, However, your creator made you, made you exactly right and you're perfect and you have the right to choose and decide how you express yourself and um, it kind of likens um, diversity to the diversity in the arts and how all are valid and beautiful. So I also really liked that one. And then there's also this book, The World Needs More Purple People and it's by Kristen Bell. And oh. um, Benjamin Hart. From and it's, uh, the, the Good Place. From the Good Place, yeah. Oh. And like the main character looks kind of like a little baby Kristen Bell. <laughs> um, and it's really cute. It's like um, basically an affirmation book for kids being like, oh, to be a purple person is like somebody who um, laughs really loud and somebody who asks lots of questions and someone who works really hard and somebody who helps. And I, I just like the social justice undertones of it too. It's really representative. We've got all different skin types. We've got all different clothing types, all different ages. Um, it's like, here's one little thing I'll say. It says, my teacher says purple people look all sorts of ways. They're big and small, old and young. Some wear cool coats, some wear shorts with lots of pockets and some wear funny hats. She says some purple people feel blue sometimes and red other times. And some purple people even have green hair. And uh, I don't know. I just love that it's basically saying, like, like, you're perfect the way you are, but also so is everybody else. And also, if you see someone who needs helping or something that needs doing, you have the power to do it. And you don't need to grow up to do it. You just already are capable of it. So those are my three favorite new baby books. Children's books, I should say. Thank you. Of we course. Need, I'm, I'm, I feel so out of touch now that I, my youngest is 10. And, and so those, yeah, I'm, I'm missing out on all the new kids' books. Uh, I, um, I'm starting like my own collection of kids' books now, like 
I've always been into buying them for my schools or my programs, but now I'm like, I need my own personal collection and people have been gifting me books and it's been so nice. I will say one more. I got a book called Fry Bread for, um, uh, from one of my co-teachers at Roaring Mouse in celebration of November, which is Native American Heritage Month. And it's, I've literally, like, this is why representation matters so much. It's a book about, like, fry bread, which is a quote-unquote traditional Native American food, but was really uh, invented out of necessity because it's all um, government-issued ingredients from when they're basically starving out Native American people on reservations. And it's a story of resilience, uh, but this book is really developmentally appropriate. It kind of tells the story of fry bread and what it means, but it also shows native children in all different skin tones from all different areas. It lists all the different tribes who enjoy this food and have history with this food. And I literally got teary eyed reading it to my students because I've just never seen um, a book that was so, I guess like modern native and, um, celebrating a part of our culture without focusing on the doom and gloom and sad, scary stuff that's not really developmentally appropriate for young kids. It also teaches them to um, appreciate other cultures and recognize that there's so many lines between our different value systems and cultures and bread and the idea of making and sharing food is something that all humans do. I don't know. That's a tangent, but. Oh, no, I I hear you. uh, uh, Thing for underrepresented groups. Um, there's so much that you don't even realize isn't there and until it comes along and you're like, oh God, I've never seen this. I've never heard this. This is this is there's nothing like this out there. Like this yeah. how was this missing? And you and, and you see it, you wonder, you know, how was that that void allowed to exist? Right, right. Yeah. I was a little girl and I never got to read a book about my own traditions and my own family memories. And now there is one. So that's it's fantastic. Great news for the Native community. So definitely go out and buy fry bread if you are a Native person or you have family members or relatives or community members who you think would enjoy that. Raven, what are you grateful for in 2020? Well, I'm going to use this opportunity to say one cool thing, um, another shameless plug, but my art was recently featured on amazing book of poetry Yay. That just came out. It's called Night Song Poems by Ever Jones. And um, Ever Jones, they, them, is a queer trans writer, artist, instructor based in Seattle. Night Song is their third collection of poetry. Um, Jones is a professor of creating writing, creative writing at the University of Washington in Tacoma. And she teaches at Richard Hugo House. And I was so honored that she asked me to have my work featured on the front and back cover. She sent me a free copy and signed it. And that was just like such a highlight from the season. And you should go and buy it for your friends and family for your holiday that you celebrate. Congratulations. Ooh. That's huge. Wow. Um, thank you. Yeah, it was really, um, they contacted me way earlier, like this year, or like even at the end of 2019. So it's been a, long process for them to get this whole thing together. And I just have been waiting anxiously and eagerly. And um, it's so beautiful. I started reading it and I'm totally captivated. And uh, I think it's just a really great collection. Um, I'm also just really grateful for, I've started journaling and like manifesting. I talked a little bit about that earlier, but 
it's really changed the way I like go through my days. I, before bed, write down all the things that I know I'm going to do tomorrow, like not a to-do list, but like a loose, just so I don't have to keep thinking about it over and over when I'm trying to sleep. It's like out of my brain. And then I write down my highlights from the day I just had. And then I write down like five or 10 things that I'm grateful for, for the day. And then um, I just noticed it helps me sleep so much better. And then when I have those goals in mind for the next day, like they're just like simple stuff, like drink more water, be kind to yourself, like hold space for empathy for others, like just real simple stuff. But it's really changed the way I'm moving through the days. And um, I'm grateful that I'm getting that practice in. Aisha, what are you grateful for this week? Um. <laughs> So I got a call from a publisher, a a small independent publisher who wants me to write a uh, proposal or she and I worked on a proposal, an editor uh, on writing a book um, for families. I'm not going to say more about it because I have to still finish the proposal, which I was supposed to be working on today. Um, But it was exciting to just get, oh, she said, oh, I read one of your curriculums. And I was like, I've never had that happen. Like I've heard it happen to other people. And I'm like, oh my gosh. She's like, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And we talked for about an hour. And I'm like, yes. So whether or not anything comes of it, it was just exciting that, you know, that much of my stuff is out there. And it was somebody who didn't know who I was, who's not a Unitarian, does not listen to By the Sound. It was just, she was impressed with something I created. I co-created because I had a co-author, but still it was just so exciting. So I'm like, oh, this is very cool um, to be recognized in that way. And so I'm excited. It's kind of like how I felt. Was it a year ago, Sarah, that you called me and asked if I wanted to start a podcast? I'm like, yes. And I was just <laughs> flattered that like, I was one of the people you called. Like, oh my gosh, yes. So that's what I'm grateful for is being, you know what? Being seen, like being affirmed in that way. I think a lot of my life, I didn't feel as affirmed and seen as I would have wanted to. And that's one of the things I think I came to a realization this year. It's like, oh, Here's who is around me, who affirms me, who sees me, and here's who doesn't. So I'm grateful for that phone call. It just It just meant a lot to me that whether or not it happens, I don't know, but hopefully it will. But if it doesn't, just the fact that it happened was pretty exciting. So what are you grateful for, Sarah? For 2020, uh, I am grateful for the life and work of Monica Roberts of... Um, Houston. Monica was a flight attendant for many years um, based out of Houston, but she's better known as a force of nature, a a mother to the trans community. Uh, Monica was a transgender woman who died in the middle of October. And uh, it's been her Losing her has been weighing um, heavily on me. She she's not someone I knew, you know, personally in in real life. But she accepted me um, as a friend when I was just a baby tran. When I was early in my transition, um, as she has, I think, hundreds of other baby trans. Um, she was a real community leader. She was somebody who was known by trans women across the country. She was an unapologetic black trans woman every single day. And the way she carried that taught me by far more than anyone else um, 
or anything else like how to be an unapologetic trans woman myself. I know that's we we hear a lot in in queer culture, LGBTQ culture about uh you know pride, and pride might be a high bar uh, to clear um, for a lot of us with a lot of a, a lot to unravel, but. To be unapologetically trans was something that she modeled and something I took. And one of the um, roles uh, she played in our community, uh, such as it is, that was an amazing emotional burden uh, and labor, um, was she let us all know um, as soon as one of our sisters was murdered or uh, passed on, because she she seemed to know everyone, you know she 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 would be one of the first to hear, and um, she would let us know, and she was very aware of us. And so each year since I've known her, I met her in 2015. It would be you know, somewhere between midnight and 2 a.m. on my birthday, I would get a text from her or a post on my Facebook. She would be the very first person on on earth to wish me a happy birthday. And I got to assume she was doing that for a lot of other trans women. And I, I it seemed very clear to me that she was doing that as a, a, a celebration of the fact that we'd made it another year. Because uh, trans women have lower life expectancies, and that's especially true, of course, for uh, black trans women like herself. She died of a heart attack um, in in the middle of October. She was also an unapologetic Democrat. Um, her last Facebook post uh, was encouraging uh, other people to vote, and especially encouraging them to vote uh, Republicans out of office in Texas. I'm sad she didn't get to live to see uh, Trump voted out of office, but uh, I'm, I'm glad that at least she made it to see that Texas is turning blue and will turn blue eventually. Um, and uh, she's just, <laughs> she also taught me how to be an unapologetic Democrat like her. How old was she? Um, God. I, I believe she was in her late fifties or early sixties. I I should find out. Too young. Yeah, too young. Um, it was a, a unexpected. Uh, I um, some sort of cardiac event um, that was unexpected, uh, and yeah, um, it's a, it's a big loss for trans women across the country. Uh, mm. As so, um, I, I'm grateful for you, Moni. Um, and uh, you're missed, uh, but you, you made our lives better. So, wow. anyway, Aww. that's all, y'all. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it was beautiful. I'm gonna like do some research, and I'm embarrassed that I haven't heard of her before. Well, but. she she became well known through her blog Trans Grio, which was the first, mm-hmm. um, as far as I know, the first out and proud unapologetic trans woman blog. Uh, I will link to trans griot in our show notes. All right, guys, let's have a better year next year. All right. I'll try. <laughs> Tread lightly into hopefully. 2021. <laughs> yeah.
Good to be with you all. Well, yeah, always grateful to spend time with you ladies and see you. Love you both. Love you Love guys. You. Thank you for listening to By the Sound, your community invested podcast. By the Sound is an Ahoy Hoy Media production. Ahoy Hoy!